Welcome to Unlawyerly, where we talk about life, the pursuit of happiness, and some law. This is Ramin. It's time to get unlawyerly. So do you know what the average amount of money that a family needs in order to live comfortably? Not survive, live comfortably. When I found out the amount, I was blown away. The reason being is, in our society, we are often taught that what we have is not enough. You need more of it. You need more of it to be comfortable. You need more of it to be happy. You need more of it to survive. But according to the census in 2020, the average median income was about $68,400. And the amount that a family of four needed to live comfortably not survive, live comfortably, $80,000. $80,000. Now, yes, I do understand that $80,000 for a lot of people is still a decent amount of money. And I may be coming from or talking from a state of privilege where I say $80,000 seems reasonable. Now, if I were to ask you how much does a lawyer, a big law lawyer, make, the amount is at least five to six times the amount of the average median salary. Easy. In fact, the bonuses itself is often the salary of what the average person makes in a year, at least. Now, take into account, it makes sense, right? As a lawyer, there's greater barriers to entry. You have to get your Jewish doctorate. You have to apply for those wonderful bar exams that we love. The work itself is extremely technical. So, of course, you are going to get paid a lot more money. And that's why when I told friends or family when they found out that I was leaving big law and I was looking to retire at the age of 36, the question that I often got was, how? How are you able to retire so young, so to speak? Especially when, from the perspective of being on a career trajectory, you're starting to reach the peak and you will continue to go up. So your earning potential by itself is extremely high. And when they were asking me how, the polite way that they were asking, it was more of how are you able to survive? Where is the money going to be coming in? Are you sitting in a pile of money? Did you win the lottery? The answers to those are no, I'm not sitting on a pile of money. I did not win the lottery. In fact, especially for a growing family. I have three kids with a fourth one on the way, God willing, at the end of February. Yes, I love them kids. It's important to make sure that I'm not putting my family in a position where these types of changes are going to impact them. And it's not going to. And here's why. When we talk about the how, yes, I will discuss the how as far as how is someone able like in my position, to leave a big paying job and also decide, you know what, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to have that type of income coming in. But let me unpack that a little bit further. Along with that question of how also goes with the question of how are you able to give up on the title that you have as a lawyer, the prestige that comes with it. I was speaking with my wife and when we were talking about the, the series that I was creating for Unlawyerly, I asked her, I said, Asya, you know, 
as I'm talking or going into my fourth episode, which is going into the how of things, what are some things that perhaps I have gone through but I'm not thinking about when it came to deciding to leave big law and also deciding to retire young? Two of the things that she brought up was, well, how is your community going to take it? How are they going to react to it? And by that, it meant more of the community of other lawyers that I was a part of. And also, how is your family going to take it? Because that is a very important part. If you look at it from our first episode where we talk about success and the definition of it, for someone like me who came from a family of first-generation immigrants, we're refugees, stability is extremely important. Let's do a recap real quick to just bring everything full circle as we dive into the how. First episode, we did talk about definition of success. Success for me especially was tied to prestige, status. How much more can I do than the average person? How I could show that I was capable of being able to reach my potential to, to succeed. That was going to bring money, but money for me was not a big part of my definition of success. It came along with it. Then things started to change. And that's where we started talking about the value system formation. And my value systems started to form where I was altering my definition of success. Focused more on family, my faith, physical, and mental well-being. Those were the things that I used to help navigate my life and my life's trajectory, even up to this point. Because when I was going through things that I considered success, as I was checking the boxes, I was happy, but I wasn't satisfied. I just felt like I wanted more. I needed more. I was, how I called it in that first episode, that hungry ghost. In the world of hungry ghosts, you will starve but never die. So there had to have been some changes. And when I created my value system, I used that even when I was in big law to make certain changes happen there. And I reassessed life as my value system was starting to be in a state of flux. What are the types of changes that I could make? And really, it was a system of checks and balances for me. Kind of think like our government. We have a system of checks and balances. A lot of people think that the system of checks and balances for our government does not work. But my value system was my system of checks and balances because that was how I was able to come up with my why. My why for leaving big law. And this did not happen overnight at all. This was over a course of time, and I spoke to many people, especially as I was getting to the tail end where I realized that I was on a couple of tracks, partner track, non-partner track, or do I leave big law altogether? And with that came, do I want to retire at this age? So once that developed, the hard part was not, <laughs> was not yet finished. The hard part had started, but there was a lot of tough decisions that had to still be made, and that's what get us to our how. So let's talk about this. How have I been able to retire at this point? Obviously, there was a lot of money coming in. There was a certain lifestyle that we were living. The thing I'll say about that is this. One, I haven't been one to live lavishly. My family is not one to live lavishly. Doesn't mean that we don't enjoy the finer things of life. We do. 
but we are taught to do things in moderation. And that was a big thing that allowed me to realize that, yes, it is extremely difficult to give up a salary where I was making a couple hundred thousand dollars, not including bonuses. It was difficult to get away from that lifestyle, but I also knew that lifestyle came with a cost. And so in terms of looking at the how, one of the things that you have to keep in perspective in mind is finances. What are your finances? How is the money being used? For the average person, myself included, mortgage is the biggest thing. Helps lock people in. Not only that, but we have other debt. For a lot of us who went to law school, it was the law school debt. So one of the first things that I had to think about when I was deciding, well, can I retire at that age is, what am I willing to, if you want to call it, some people call it giving up, some people call it sacrificing. I looked at it as how am I going to reallocate what I'm investing in? Where am I going to pull things from and allocate something else? For me, when I gave up that salary, what was I getting in return? I was getting in return time. Time for the other things that I felt like I was not able to at that particular point in time in my life. The other aspect of it was related to, I gave up on the million dollar house that I had. Was it easy? We had some conversations about it, but we realized that the house itself was not the end all. And it was something that we wanted to change. Now, savings. When I initially started my big law career, I remember a conversation that was said to us by one of the associates who had been working there. She said, beware of the golden handcuffs. And one of the ways that you can be aware of the golden handcuffs, meaning you get used to a certain lifestyle, you get used to the pay, and so you'll stay within big law or whatever the case may be, even though you may not want to, by saving, live below your means. And saving has been extremely important even before I started my big law career. Even if you are saving a little bit, that savings accumulates over a period of time. And when that savings accumulates, you end up saving it for a rainy day. Now, I'm not talking about just 401k. I'm talking about setting a little bit of extra money aside for when life happens, because life will often happen. There's a concept of uh, risk with, within Islam, within the religion that I practice. And the concept goes something along the lines of whatever and it's not really associated with money, but we're just going to talk about money right now. Whatever money is meant to come your way, it will. Yes, you have to do your part. You have to take the action for God to do his part. Now, again, I understand that there are people of different faiths or no faiths in terms of de- believing in deities, I should say, who listen to this podcast. And I'm bringing it up because for me, that concept of risk was there. I realized that even though I was giving up on the salary, whatever was meant to come my way was going to. I, in fact, had a conversation with, of course, that one friend of mine, the friend that started it all. And I need to give him a call just to let him know that, hey, I have a series and it's pretty much a lot about uh, our experiences at, at UVA and how that started to change things. And when I told him about what I was about to embark on, I was going to leave big law, thinking about retiring. 
And he looked at me and said, Ramin, I know you've put a plan in action. I know you've prepared as best as you can for it. You've done your part. You've tied the horse to the post. You've tied the camel. Now, at this point, you let God do his part. And he's right. Because by that particular point in time, I was letting go of a lot of control. But I knew that so long as I continued on this path, and I've always been an entrepreneur, I found ways to bring in money when I needed that the risk was going to be there. And see, risk is not just really related to money. It's related to a lot of other things. Your health, kids, family. The concept of risk is, is overarching. And so for me, the biggest hurdle was just having that trust and that faith that the path that I was now looking to take was something that was ultimately going to benefit the aspects of my value system. And part of that was going to require a trade-off, was going to require sacrifice, was going to require reallocating things, looking at my budget, looking at our monthly expenses, seeing what things we needed, what things we didn't. And my wife and I, we were on the same page because we realized that it was going to be more important for me to be present. It was going to be more important for me to focus on my well-being. And spiritually, it was also going to be important to allocate more time for that. Now, of course, everybody's value system is going to be different. I'm just saying, for me, those were the hard questions I had to ask once I figured out my why. And that's why we spent so much time on figuring out the why. Because, yes, you are trading in a lot of things to be able to retire. So now, I don't have that salary coming in. I don't have that particular lifestyle. But am I okay with it? Yeah, I actually am. I was scared of it at first. I'll be honest, I had a fear. But everything's been just fine. There's a saying of the prophet, and we call it hadiths. And the saying of the prophet goes something like this. If a son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would want to have two valleys. And basically what this is getting at is asking ourselves the question, when is enough enough? When, do you, when have you reached that point when you say, I have enough for me. I don't need more. Now, again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting more. Or even people who, friends I have in Big Law. People who go to Big Law are not in it just for the money. For the longest time, for me, I was in it because I was putting a good product out there. And that's what kept me going. But then I realized at the end of it, that was no longer there. And the main reason that I was there was the money. And I was earning more than I knew how to spend. Now, let's get into the aspect of the other question, which is related to how was I able to give up that status, that title, the prestige of being considered part of big law or a lawyer. And I'll be honest, this was the hardest thing for me. The reason being is it had to do more with my identity with more with that definition of success. I felt that by me deciding that it was time to leave big law and also deciding to retire, was I giving up? Was I really taking a part of my identity and saying, no, this is not who I am? And I remember when I was deciding to give that, send that email, my resignation email, I stared at that email for 45 minutes. I kid you not, for 45 minutes. 
because it meant so much to me. All of the, the things that I've done, the hard work that I put in, the sacrifices I made during the first four years of my marriage with my kids to be able to reach that point to say, yes, I work in this particular field. I work at this particular firm. I have made it. And it was not easy for me. But see, the fact of the matter is that I'm still a lawyer. I still have my bar licenses. I may not be practicing in the way that I was before, but I feel like there's still a lot of good that I can do as a lawyer and also with the skill set that I learned. And I feel like now I'm moving away from the ego side of things where I was able to give up on that title of a big law lawyer. And it meant a lot for me. But now I'm trying to find ways that I can help other people, kind of like when I was doing my pro bono. The impact that it had, for me, it was very fulfilling. And I just realized that there's so much that I can do. But again, by giving up on that title, I was able to get so much more, so much more out of it that could not be attributed to just a title on a wall or a degree. Let's talk about the two questions that my wife had presented, and those are related to how does the community that you're in, how are they going to react? How did they react? Often there is a sense of curiosity when someone says, hey, I'm leaving big law. There's a much greater sense of curiosity, at least there was when I said, I'm also retiring. And this is my community of lawyers, the community of big law lawyers that I work with. And the thing is, when you work as much as you do within big law, and of course, in the other fields, it may be very much the same. Your friends are people that you work with. They're your colleagues. And a part of it is you feel like you are isolating yourself by saying that I am leaving big law or I am going to retire. And I felt that. And of course, I got the questions of, you know, how are you doing it? Why are you doing it? There were People who I had conversations with, which they knew, kind of surprised them when I said that I'm also deciding to retire. But you also feel as though you're isolating yourself. Does this person think that he's better than us? Does this person think that, well, we're not in it for the right reasons? We have kids too. We're trying our best to be there for them. We feel like we are for them. And I've never said that anyone, any one of my colleagues, any of the people that I worked, and there were plenty of working parents. And there were a lot of programs at the firms that I had for working parents, for work-life balance. And maybe they figured it out. For me, I just realized that it continued to feel like an uphill battle. And so, of course, when I decided that I was leaving, and these were the reasons why I was leaving, there is that sense of you're isolating yourself. You're putting yourself in a different category. The fact of the matter is, to this day, I've had a lot of positive responses from people that I've worked with. People who have reached out, checked in to see how I was doing. Some people who maybe perhaps didn't fully grasp the reason why I was leaving, they're so supportive of it. And the thing is, you know, with a lot of my lawyer colleagues, there would be times where we would just sit around and talk about, hey, how would life would be if we weren't in big law? How would it be if we retired? With one of my friends I was even talking about, you know, the idea of setting, starting a coffee shop, just a slow-paced life, serving coffee and not having any of the worries that we did. So we had these types of dreams, these types of conversations. But I just realized that it got a point in time for me that 
if I was leaving big law, I was not going to go to another firm. I was not going to go to in-house. Why not decide to retire at this age and just fully enjoy the other things of my life that I felt like for the longest time I wasn't able to because I wasn't fully present? And then finally, how is your family going to react? Because it is a big move. Take my parents, for example. These are people who, for me, firsthand, they've sacrificed a lot. You know, my, my father had a very prosperous business, had a good life in Afghanistan, and he provided a lot for us. But he had to give all that up. And he gave all that up to, of course, allow us the opportunity to have stability, to have a good life. Sacrifice both of my parents to be able to, you know, allow us to reach a point in time in our lives where we could tell our kids, look, you can do and be whatever you want to be. And I have those conversations with my kids. I tell them, look, I want you to do something that's going to make you happy, whatever the case is. My son wants to be a storm chaser. I have no idea what a storm chaser was, but he's passionate about the weather. And I say, hey, you can be a meteorologist. You can be a storm chaser. Do whatever you want that allows you to be happy. Conversations with my parents were different. So how were they going to react when I told them that I was no longer going to be in big law? And on top of that, I'm deciding to retire. And I was expecting that my parents were going to be upset, that they were not going to fully understand. And this is how the conversation went with my dad. He knew for the longest time I was having some type of struggle within me as far as what do I want to do? How am I trying to balance everything to be there for my family, my kids, to be there for my work, my career? And he knew I was very ambitious. If I put my mind to something, he knew I was going to get to it. And I was talking to him, look, I'm, I'm thinking about being on the partner track. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. But then the conversation changed where I said, thinking about leaving Big Law. I'm thinking about retiring. And this is a guy who has seen and done it all. And he's older now. And it's very interesting the perspective that he has now versus what he had 10, 15 years ago. And he told me, he's like, Ramin, you know how I feel about this particular topic. Be there for your children first and foremost. They're an investment that later on in life you're going to look back at and you're going to realize that when you had the opportunity to be there for them, and you didn't take that, you're going to regret it. Of course, provide for your family. Do the things that you need to do, which I know you will do, to make sure that for your growing family, they're going to have a way to be okay. And me and my wife, we're, we're partners. We're partners in every aspect. Praise be to God for that. So he knew that if I was going to embark on this decision, I was doing it for certain reasons. He said, I support you 100%. And the other thing both my mom and my dad emphasized, they said, your well-being. Protect your well-being, whether it's your physical or mental. And if you're in a position right now where you just feel like you're not where you need to be, make those changes. Make it happen. So while I, as a child, I was thinking, oh, what are, what are my parents going to say? What are they going to think? Are they going to be disappointed in me? The same things as a lot of children, no matter what age you're in, when you think of your parents, they weren't. They taught me a valuable lesson, which is support your kids, support your children. Even if it's doing something different than what you have, would have done, support them. And they have shown me that support. So really, in terms of answering the how, 
you have to really know your why. Because yes, you are giving in a lot of things. For me, it was the title, the salary, making changes, for example, to where we were living, what we were doing, what we were doing in terms of budgeting. You know, all those things are going to come into play. So you have to really ask yourself and still make tough decisions once you have figured out your why. Then you go into your how. One thing that I've realized about myself is this. I am starting to live outside a world of formal titles, formal boundaries. I'm really entering what I consider an unknown, a true unknown. But I've realized at the end of the day, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a professor. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm none of those things. What I am at the end of the day is I'm a creator. I create. I think of an idea and I create a life out of it. So as I go into this new journey, this journey of a retired life, I know that I have enough skills, enough ability to help myself navigate to whatever life may bring. While I may not know what life will bring, the truth of the matter is that when do we really do? When do we really know what life is going to bring or where it's going to take us? And when we have certain opportunities or certain things that come up, sometimes you just have to take it. Plan, of course. Plan, but don't let fear play a big role or any role into your decision making. The last episode of Unlawyerly, where we're going to talk about are some lessons learned. And this will be the end of the five-part series for Unlawyerly. So again, thank you for continuing on this journey with me. If you've liked or anything resonated with you, leave a comment, leave a review, share it with others. You can catch me on Instagram at Unlawyerly with Ramin. You can check us on our website, unlawyerly.com. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. For now, my name is Ramin, and it has been Unlawyerly.